Um, so my name is Sean Clemens. I'm one of the associate pastors. I'm over the men's ministry. So fellas, I really need y'all to come January 26th. We got a lot of good breakfast for you, some things that we're going to talk about. Um, so I need you and your homeboys and, and their whole crew to come through with you. <laughs> so if you guys can help a brother out, show up January 26th at 9 a.m. Um, and we'll get you out of there um, shortly after that. <clears throat> um, today is a special day. Um, and it's not because it's my birthday, though, that, that is really important to me. Now, I, I really just wanted to take a moment to say um, hello to my mother, because I know she's watching on the Internet. And her birthday is actually today as well. So she shared her birthday with me. And so I just want to say, Mom, thank you for allowing me to be born on your day and not hogging it to yourself. Um, so this evening, we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. We're continuing in our series, Great Faith. Um, a couple of weeks ago, Pastor June started um, to kick the series off. Then last week, we did a fast. Um, considering the topic of great faith, Pastor um, Stephen preached as well on tested faith. Um, today's topic is faith to save. Faith to save. And so we'll be looking at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. And I will read that for you. And I'm reading from the English Standard Version, which reads, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Something you should know about kind of the background. Paul is writing here, the Apostle Paul. And before he writes this letter, you'll find in, in Acts 19, um, when he was on his third missionary trip, he went to a place called Ephesus, and he helped to plant the church there. He stayed there for over three years. It was really a contentious time in his life. People fought against the gospel, but there was great gains there. And so he's turned around after some, some time afterwards, after he has left um, he, he's sending them back this letter. In chapter 1, he, he, he's so grateful for where they are in the faith that he, he tells them how he prays for, on their behalf, um, that he lets them know how they're spiritually blessed. And here in chapter 2, he begins to help them to, to recall where God has brought them from. So verse 1 down to verse 10, he, he really kind of helps them to, to understand what they've been brought away from and what they've brought, been brought into. And so when I think about the subject of faith to save, I think of faith as kind of a tool, a gadget, almost like um, it, 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 it reminds me of a cartoon I used to watch when I was a kid called Inspector Gadget. Because, you know, Inspector Gadget could have on a detective hat or something like that, but it could turn into a helicopter on you or something like that. He, his arms, Google Gadget arms, he could just reach, he could do like things. Um, faith to save, this faith, this type of faith, I think, has a multifaceted um, way of going about doing things to help the believer in his life. And I think we can see it here in this verse as, as Paul is helping them to just to recount and to remember and to give grace and thanksgiving to God. And so the first thing that I think that faith does, it helps to locate where you are. Faith to save helps to locate where you are. If you look back in verse 1 of that same chapter, verse 1 says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins, verse 2, in which you once walked 
following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Faith to save helps you to really get a good, clear picture of who you are in relationship to the holiness of God. See, I, I, I grew up in the church, and one of the funny things is that when, when you when you Sometimes when you come up in that situation, you learn um, certain behavior. If you, if you act the right kind of way, then it seems to pass the mustard for what others may think is Christian. And I began to kind of believe that. And, and I believed it so much so that when I went off to college, if I indulged in a little bit of sin, it was okay because God kind of understood my heart. He, he, he knew me. He knew that, you know, it was just I fell for the temptation. But there was a day that came in February 2002 where God located me. The faith to save located me right where I was. And it was a really interesting thing because it was like, like a sports center um, sports clip roll that was running before my eyes. And I could see all of the things that I had done and that I was currently um, engaged in, whether it was the, the way I was partying, the way that, I, that I, I mistreated women, whether it was cheating or stealing or, or, or things of that nature. And it's like God located me right where I was in relationship to his holiness. And it was a sinking feeling. It was, it was really, it was, it was a sense that, man, I have really messed this thing up. Because like I said, I grew up in the church and so I had an understanding of somewhat, at least what I thought, of how you're supposed to behave. And I knew what I was doing was outside of that. And now that God has actually called me to the carpet on it, what was I to do? Faith helps you to, to recognize that you're not as good as you think you are. Faith to save helps you to move away from the statement that I think I'll make it to heaven because I'm a good enough person. Faith to save helps you to recognize that you're actually not, that your righteousness is like a filthy rag before the Lord. That even against your own standards, not, let's not use God's standards, your own standards, you find that you fall well short. And so one popular phrase that we all use is, hey man, I'm human, nobody is perfect. Because we all recognize that we fall below the mark that we would set for ourselves. Faith to save helps to locate you there so that you can make a proper decision. In verse 8, Paul says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Before you can be saved, you have to know that there's something wrong. There's, there's something off. There's something out of position. And that danger lurks in your future. This faith to save helps to locate you and helps you to recognize that you are a candidate for the wrath of God. Which is what you need to be saved from. And so faith, kind of like that go-go gadget arm, it transforms and it becomes a conduit by which you can begin to receive this grace. I like how Charles Spurgeon, he says it's an aqueduct. I just thought that was really a cold word to use. Aqueduct. Um, that brings the flow of mercy and grace that comes from the Lord. Grace, it, it, this, this faith to save helps you to grab hold, to apprehend the grace that God has made available to you when we start to think from an eternal perspective. 
You know, Romans 1, Paul writes and he says, the wrath of God is being revealed against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. There is punishment that is coming for sin. There is punishment that is coming for sin. In fact, it's why we celebrated Christmas, because the Savior came and, and eventually he would take on that punishment that is rightfully being meted out by God against sin. Faith to save helps you to capture and grab hold of the grace that God has made available through the Son. It, 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 it extends its arm to, so that you are able to grab hold of something that you could never obtain on your own, which is righteousness. It's what Jesus gave as a gift to us. He made us righteous through his blood, through the covenant that was cut with us. The, the cleansing, the washing away of sin came about because of the blood of Jesus. By grace, you have been saved. And it's through this faith to save that, that we begin to grab hold of that grace. But that grace and that wrath that we face isn't just an eternal wrath. It's actually a wrath that is found here today. In the same passage in Romans 1, if you keep going down, you find that he says that God gave them over to a debased mind. Funny thinking, stinking thinking. It's kind of the, the, the way that you could begin to um, characterize the way that one goes about doing life when they're independent of God. To give you an example, in Luke um, chapter 15, Jesus, he tells a parable of the prodigal son. Many of you are familiar with that story. There's a father who has two sons. His youngest son comes to him and says, you know what? I'm tired of living here. I want my inheritance. Go ahead and give it up. Let me have that so I can go out and do my own thing. His father gives him his inheritance and lets him go and leave. What I never realized was that that son actually experienced the wrath of the father in that. Because the father had to let his hands go and say, you know what, go ahead and do your own thing, knowing that it would lead to his destruction knowing that it would lead to a place where he could end up in a pig pen because of riotous living. God, in his divine wisdom, his part of his punishment that this world is currently under is God saying, okay, do it your way. And the hard thing for us to really grab hold of with that concept is that's what we see all the time. But this kind of stinking thinking, this debased mind is, is filled with sensuality. It's only driven by what we feel and, and what we think. And so if it doesn't make us feel quite right, then we don't want to do it. I mean, there's some good aspects to it. There's some good things in, in terms of feeding the poor. But if it doesn't make me feel like I'm worthy, if, I'm, if it doesn't help to give me self-worth, I don't know if I want to invest myself into it. And so the motivation becomes wrong, and, and thus our stinking thinking begins to infiltrate even the good deeds that we do. God has given you over to a debased mind. And faith to save grabs hold of the grace that God gives that can pull you away from that type of thinking. The kind of thinking that would have one to believe that they were actually going to be saved. Matthew 7, the scariest scripture in all of the Bible. It says many on that day will say, Lord, Lord. 
didn't we heal in your name? Didn't we pray in your name? Jesus' response is, be gone from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. A debased mind could have you in that space where you could experience the, the, the eternal wrath of God on a continual basis. Or it can allow you to think that here and now that you are good with God when you actually aren't. Grace, the faith to save, grabs hold of that grace, that unmerited favor, that power to begin to change your perspective. That power that puts you in a position to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Faith to save grabs hold of that, and it pulls you near it. It becomes the conduit by which you begin to get saved. Now, for some of us, it's being saved, being prevented from going to hell. That kind of stops the journey for us, and when we think at that point, then we just need to begin to hold on and try to live this thing out the way that God would want us to do in our own strength. And so even in the prodigal story, we find that when the, the younger son comes back home and, 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 and he engages with his father, we find that he, um, he's celebrated, he's, he, he's given a ring, he's given a robe, they, they, they cut the, the fatted calf, and, and the older brother, the older brother, he's actually complaining that that was never done for him. And the father says, didn't you know all this time that what I have is yours? See, the faith to save helps you to move beyond just verse 8. And it, it helps you to recognize that it's not just that you're saved from something, but you've been saved into something. You've been saved into the kingdom of God and under the kingdom of God or under the effective will of God. He gives you purpose. He is the one who, who gives you self-worth. You begin to recognize, hey, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I don't need the opinion of others to validate who I am. I don't have to look to my job and the amount of money that I make to validate me and, and, and my existence here on this planet. That stinking thinking used to make me think that way, that I had to achieve certain goals to have value. But God himself has given value to me by allowing me to enter into his kingdom, to enter into the abundant life that he has made available to us. The faith to save grabs hold of that. And it pulls it near. It becomes the conduit where you begin to receive this faith. It, it, excuse me. It becomes the conduit where you begin to receive this mercy, this favor that God wants to bestow on our lives. Look at verse 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. He, he says that he has crafted you for special work that he has appointed you to do. He's made you a one of one. And there's some things that he wants you to accomplish that he is shaping and molding you to be able to accomplish if you will walk by the faith to save. If you will allow it to grab hold of what God has for you. You don't have to lay out your own plan for your life anymore. God has one for you. Because at the end of the day, does it really matter what you're able to do in your own strength? You know, as I was thinking about this sermon, I was thinking about how, um, you know, there are people who are in the Hall of Fame. I love football. There are people in the Hall of Fame of football that if you mention their name, I'm like, I, I never heard of them. 
Though they're in the Hall of Fame, their name begins to fade with time. There are people who are really important to us right now that 100 years from now, if the Lord was to tarry, won't even matter to that generation. There are people who we think are great heroes that our kids are growing up with, and it's a vague memory. It's just an answer to a question in social studies. There's no significance. But where real significance comes is when you hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's where the real significance comes from. And the faith to save allows you to live a life that's worthy of that being said over you. Because it understands that I can't do this on my own. I need the grace. I need the empowerment to be able to live the life that God would have me to live. To accomplish or to complete the task that he would have me to to complete. God has prepared works for us beforehand, before the foundations of the earth that he has designed for you to do. And that we should be about the business of accomplishing those things. And so finally, the faith to save allows us to walk in a discipleship relationship with the son. Follow me is what he says. Faith to save grabs hold of that command and it begins to follow. It begins to discard those things that would entangle us and keep us from being able to run the race that God would have us to run. Faith to save is a powerful, powerful gift that God has given to us. Because if you didn't catch it, in verse 8 it says that, and this is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God. Too many of us are still trying to strive and work for the approval of God. We're striving, working so hard, trying to get God to smile upon us. But it's a gift that God has given to us, this intimate relationship that he wants you to walk in. It was the gift for those who are, who are saved today, who would, who would be getting baptized. It was a gift of God that he allowed you to locate yourself and locate yourself as a sinner in need of help. It was his gift that allowed you to be able to recognize that Jesus was the answer to the problem that, 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 that most ailed you. It was there that this free gift was experienced for those who are saved. So I have a a serious question for, for, for some of us in here. Have you, are you being located right now? Are you being, beginning to understand the plight, the, the, what sits in front of you, the weight of the punishment, the wrath of God himself that you're going to have to face? Because if that is you, There is a free gift of God. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to accept him as Lord and Savior. So if you guys don't mind, please bow your heads, close your eyes. If that's you, if you're someone who is recognizing that you're not right with God, that maybe you thought your behavior was good enough, you thought that your behavior was um, good enough to get you in, to qualify you, to, to prevent the wrath of God. But now you recognize that there's nothing that you can do. If you would like to give your life to Christ, 
Um, please raise your hand. Amen. For the rest of us, there, there is a faith that God has given to you that has started you on this journey with him. When we drift away from it and get into a works place, then we don't lay hold of the power that God has made available to us. Paul, even in chapter 1, he prayed for them um, that they will understand the surpassing greatness of the power The same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead is the same mighty power that's at work within us. The faith to save allows you to grab hold of that and to accomplish all that God has for you. Father in heaven, I thank you so much for this people. I thank you for um, your word. I thank you for the faith to save that you came in and changed all of our lives. Um, So we give you honor and praise um, this evening. And we ask, Lord God, that you will continue to build us up in such a way that we will carry out the vision that you have given to this house and to us as individuals. In the name of Jesus, amen.